So let's turn to Hosea 9. Hosea, he's speaking of judgment right now. And, and through judgment, we can repent, right? But ultimately, as New Testament saints, when it comes to the judgment of God, through Jesus Christ, we have received righteousness, yes? So though we are hearing these words of judgment, in, as righteous beings, we need to be inspired and, and filled with awe. If we were before Christ, then this, these kinds of words would have no hope. But because of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of repentance. We have the righteousness that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And so as we hear these words of judgment, if we fall into despair, that is proof of your inability to repent. And so through the words of judgment, we should be able to see uh, the, the righteousness that God has given us. And this is the joy that needs to fill your heart. And so let's look. So after chapter 8, through the evil that has been listed out, now God is going to declare the punishment. And so the day of punishment has come. The day of recompense has come, as it says in verse 7. Punishment, recompense, right? They is using the same words but uh, in different ways. And so that's being emphasized that this day of punishment has come. And so, uh, chapter five or verse five to seven is talking about about the the evil on the days of festivals, on the days of feasts. And so, these are days that should have been worshiping God, but instead, it's become a, uh, a source of, of of curse. And then, so we'll see in the beginning, right, that threshing floor and and they're uh, they're 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 uh, defiled and and. Uh, and the bread shall be there hungry. And so this is talking about the despair that's going to come, the poverty that's going to come because of their uh, desire for prosperity. And so this is worship, right? What is worship? Worship in itself? Worship in itself is not what's important. What's important is the heart of the worshipers who's there, right? That's where God's concern is. The heart of the worshipers who are worshiping. It's the same thing when it comes to praise. Like, if you look at the songs that are being written these days, they, they are very wicked, right? Because the, the motivation for them is not is not to praise God because the way they're writing their music, the way they're writing these um, beats, right? It's all world influence, right? And yet, and yet still, the thing that's, that, that re uh, reconciles that is the fact that we are praising God, right? But without praising God, you would probably not be able to tell if this is worldly music or, or praise. And so when I look at Bethel Church and I see their praise, look at these guys with their tattoos and, 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 and the smell of the world coming off of them. 
And what spirit I see coming from them as they're singing these songs is that they're not trying to praise God, but they're trying to comfort themselves. They're trying to feel good in themselves. And that's what we need to be careful when it comes to praising. Is, is where is that praise coming from? It must be coming from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, whether it's praise, prayer, worship, whether it's uh, listening to the Word, reading the Word. Is it coming out of your strength of the flesh? Is it coming out of your fleshly desire? Are you trying to just personify yourself? You know, looking to satisfy your own desire, satisfy your own needs, satisfy your own will? We need to have a relationship where it's all before God and bringing glory to God. But without that relationship, looking to, to please yourself, then, then in that, that becomes hypocrisy. And that was the problem with Israel at this time is that they were influenced by this prosperity worship. They were influenced by Baal and Asherah, by idolatry. And so with that, with that influence, they were lifting up these feasts to God. So as I said, from Israel, when they lose that holiness and when they worship God, when they sacrifice to God, from their perspective, you know, they may think that Baal is easier to please because Baal doesn't demand holiness out of them. All you have to do is make sure you sacrifice. As long as you sacrifice, you keep your sacrifices, then Baal would be, will bless you. And so in that sense, it's comfortable, right? In that sense, idolatry is easier. And so as they apply that to faith in God, God becomes Baal. That's why they don't, when, when prophets demand, when prophets proclaim uh, repentance, they're unable to, to receive it. They, they're just looking for a God that will bless them and bless them and bless them. And so to Israel that has been corrupted, to Israel that has become religious, it's so easy for them to, to turn God into an idol. Not a God that demands holiness, not a God that demands their life, not a God that demands relationship. So those who have been polluted by the world, it's so difficult for them to receive these kinds of words. And that's what we can see characterizes the church in this day and age. And... Back in the day, uh, my father-in-law, you know, before, you know, when he started coming to our church, you know, he complained to me that, that, you know, back in the day, all I had to do was give money and that was good enough. But now I have to do everything. I have to pray. I have to worship. I have to lead prayer. I have to give money. I have to do everything. Why? Why? But, so as... As a spirit before God, it's not about what we do that's important. And so the reason why they get exhausted is because they're so based on works. But it's not the works that's important, but who we are. Who we are and out of who we are, we act. And so above all else, it's so important in this day and age to lift up worship with the proper heart, the heart that is filled with the heart of spirit, with the, with the, 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 the heart that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Any worship that is not in spirit and in truth, it cannot be called worship. It's just building up more wrath upon you, storing up more sin upon you. And that's the eyes, our eyes needs to be open to this truth. So look at look at the temple laws, right? That 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 all the holy things in the temple could only be touched by who could only be touched by the Levites and the high priest. Anyone else who would touch it would die. 
But what about in this New Testament? In this New Testament, the privilege we have is that we have all been given that holiness. We have all been given that righteousness so that we can touch the holy things in the temple. But if we are unclean when we touch those holy things, that is death, right? And that is the spiritual truth that we need to receive. We need to understand. And so when, the God's, when God's presence is there and we are unclean, that is death. That is one thing that I've been continually warning about, about our church. And, and, and so they cannot see that their spirit is dying. So really in our church, many people accuse me of saying that I kick people out. I'm not kicking people out. They leave of their own will. And even if I do kick them out, I do not just kick them out on a whim. I wait for them. I wait for them at the very least to 20 years. But because they're constantly touching the holy things in an unclean state, they're constantly dying inside. And because they're dying, and once they are completely dead to themselves, they can no longer remain a part of this church. And so, in the glorious church, where God's presence is, it, this, this uncleanliness will determine, will determine life and death. But, it, but conversely, if you are in righteousness and lifting holy worship, then you will, you, life will flow inside of you. So now, this sin of, uh, 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 this sin of prosperity worship, of prosperity seeking, with that influence, they are lifting up the sacrifice to God. And so that's why they are cursed. So that's why he prophesied in Malachi, right? That would someone please shut the doors of the temple that, that I know that it no longer pleases me. And so let's look at this verse one. Rejoice not, O Israel, exult not like the peoples or like the Gentiles. So God is so the fact that they are rejoicing is not the problem, but the fact is that they are rejoicing like the Gentiles, being drunk off of alcohol, being drunk on wine, being drunk on immorality. And so instead of rejoicing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, they are rejoicing in their own pleasure, they are rejoicing in their own um, debauchery. So the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the world is different, right? We are looking for joy, not pleasure, right? It is the pleasure, the joy that rejoices in the Lord, not joy that rejoices in pleasure. And so, is it the joy of the Lord or is it the joy of immorality? Is it the joy of wine? That's what God is accusing Israel of right now. Their hypocrisy. He's pointing out their hypocrisy. Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the people. And so as I said earlier, like praise. The praise of this day and age, look at how influenced it is by the world. Look at how influenced they are, not only in, in their way that they make the music, but in the way they dress, in the way they carry themselves, in their motivations. It's all based on the world. So look at Hillsong. It's all about gathering everyone, whether you're gay, homosexual, whether you're from Islam or not. It doesn't matter. Just, all, all, just come, right? That's the secret to revival. That invite everyone, welcome everyone, whether they are Muslims, whether they're Buddhists. They all welcome, welcome all. That's revival. And so, 
And so, you know, and then also having this band that is so excellent that, that you can't tell if it's, if it's praise or if it's Michael Jackson. And so, and so in the midst of praise, you've seen that, that all the influence of the worldliness flowing. So, and so, and so as I say to the praise leaders all the time, it's not about who wrote the words, and it's not about the words that is written, but it's about who, who gives the praise to God. And so, especially to drummers, right? To drummers, I emphasize this, right? That, that when, you, when you play the drums, is this, what state are you in? And I was really sensitive to this, that, that, that you know, if he was smoking cigarettes, I would feel, I would feel the, the smell of cigarettes flowing out of his drumbeat. Oh, so like the prophesy of Malachi, that what, what, is, what are the pastors? When I open my lips, the lips of the Lord are opened up. And so should my lips be clean or not? Of course they should be clean. And so, and so spiritually, this is how sensitive it is. And so we should not mess with unclean things. We should not defile ourselves. And, 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 and when we praise, that's not how we should come, with that spirit with that heart. And so, and so really, praise ministers, you really need to uh, lift yourself up to God before you, before you take your position whether you're an instrumentalist or singer. And so let's say that the, the, the instrument is being played and you see, you feel immorality and, and, and loneliness, right? Why? Because that person is filled with that. That person is filled with that, that, um, that uh, what's it called? That person is filled with that spirit. Electric. And so it's about who is playing the instrument, who is singing. That's really important. It's not about the lyrics or, 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 or who wrote it, but but it's who is doing it and those who confirm righteousness and come before God in holiness. And so even if your eyes are not open spiritually, just on the basis of what's written in the Word, you can see how important it is for the praise ministers to be sanctified, to be holy. And so it's really important even as a preacher to, to stand be right before God before I come up here. If you're open to immorality, if you're open to the world, then, then you come here, you're going to defile the holy things. And so to Israel who has, been, who has been corrupted by this fertility worship, who has been corrupted by this prosperity worship, they are sacrificing to God and that sacrifice in itself is defiled. For you have played the whore. And so this is once again, uh, uh, comparing Israel to to temple prostitutes who, who worship fertility, right? And so, and so remember, this is something that we need to understand that that the world always follows with immorality, right? The three S, uh, the principle of the three S's, right? Sex, sports, and screen. 
And so, especially South American pastors, really. Let's say that your country came to the finals of the World Cup, and yet it was on a Sunday. What are you going to do? Right? You're probably going to move the worship. Right? That's wrong. That, that is sin. Sports is very dangerous. So screen, sex, sports. Right? Why is sports dangerous? Because sports makes you turn people into enemies who were never enemies to you. And the rulers of the world enslave us through what? Through, through sports. And so screen. Right, movies, sports, sex, these three S's are, are the principles of, of pleasure to, to the world. And pastors, as pastors, you need to put these things far away from you. I heard a pastor once say this, that why is it a sin to go bowling? But really, that, oh, is it a, as a pastor... Is it is it is it sin for me to play poker with with little bits of money? Is it is it sin for me to bet on pool? Do you think it's a sin? Is bowling a sin? Is golf a sin? Okay, well, back in the day, a famous revivalist came to our area, and he was. He was um, an avid tennis player, avid tennis player, to the point where if, let's say, a church member had a wedding and that wedding fell in line with his tennis match, he would tell them to move the wedding date. But see, look, remember, as I said last conference, the level of holiness that God demands out of you as pastors is different from the world. And so you should not, you should not try to compare yourselves to the world or even to lay members, right? You as pastors are called to a higher standard of holiness. And so if you cannot lay these things down and you cannot cry out to God and and, and say that I will determine to cut myself off from these things and live for you, then then how can you be a pastor? How can you uh, follow your, your calling? Because your calling is to live by Jesus alone, right? And so do not take any other hobby. Your hobby should be prayer. And your hobby should be the Bible. And your hobby should be... That's what it should be. Right? Pastor Cho, now that you're in Guangzhou, you have lots of time. Why not go fishing? Okay, you have times, right? So you have time for a hobby. And so if you, if you uh, break down these boundaries, the, the standard, and, and you compromise with the standard, then you'll find problem in your pastoral ministry because you'll find, um, you'll find uh, your your worship towards God, your your your. Um, your reverence towards God, is, it, 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 it gets cut down. And, and so you start to be a pastor for your survival. You start to be a pastor for your economic needs. So listen carefully. Is that why you are a pastor? Are you a pastor so for your economic needs? Are you a pastor as a career? Is that what you want to be? 
And so, forsaking your God. So in this defiled relationship, we cannot be with God. We cannot go with God. But when we are with God, we are confident. We can do all things. But if I'm separated from God, we are powerless. And, and yet, this is the tragedy as pastors, is that even if we are separated from God, we still have to do our pastoral ministry, right? And, and that's the tragedy. That is the scary thing, is that you have to keep doing things. That's the danger of religion. Is that the circumstances make it so that you have to keep doing something, that you have to keep acting, even though you have departed from God. But let's say you truly forsaken God, then what you what you should have to quit your pastoral ministry. But the danger of this religious spirit is that is that it keeps you from doing so. For example, like look at Benny Hinn, right? He forsaken God. And yet and yet he continued to have this ministry because because power continually manifested but it only manifested for a little bit and then after a while what did he do he started looking to gurus of buddhist temples in the himalayas to 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 provide him with that overflowing and so so he would receive this this spiritual power from from tibetan buddhist monks and don't think that this is an extreme case. No. If you are not close to God, the, the more you are used by God, the more, the more holy you need to be. Because if, and so you need to have that sensitivity that once you realize you've forsaken God, that you can stop. That you can, know, you can know to stop. Because if the Holy Spirit's not moving, if the Holy Spirit's not working, the Holy Spirit's not doing anything through me, then what, what can I do on my own? And yet, for a time, it seems as if it's, it's working well. Even though the Holy Spirit's not moving, out of my strength, it seems like something's happening. Why? Because of the faith of the one who is receiving the ministry. Because he has faith in God, there is work. It's not because of you. If you've forsaken God, it's over, right? It's over, and so you need to be able to stop. And so that's what this is talking about here. This is the terrifying uh, prophecy that is being proclaimed here. And so above all else, as pastors, we need to be with God. We need to be with God. Do not sell yourself to anything else. What's your hobby? Prayer, good. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. And so threshing floor, right? This is probably talking about a feast of the harvest. And yet, even though this is a feast for God, they are worshipping Baal and Asherah and thinking that that's where they're abundance comes from out of those fertility gods and so if the saints are polluted by the world it will go hand in hand with immorality it will go hand in hand with immorality there's it's not if or but it will because when you live out of your strength that is the world right and because they are living out of their strength they look for what they like and immorality is what is looking for what you like what you like, what benefits you, what 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 raises you up, what what fills your need—that's immorality. And so, as you 
as you continue to absorb that, you, you will become immoral. You will become adulterous. It's the same thing. Even as a pastor, it's the same thing. And so many people, they make this confession that, that they fell to immorality because of the stress and the pressures of their ministry. No, that's not the case. If they, if they are affected by immorality, then as pastors, ultimately, what does it mean? That means that they have fallen to the world. They have been influenced by the world. And so to pastors, this is something that you really need to be wary of. Greed and immorality. Greed and immorality. These are some things that you always need to be worried about. You may think that I'm not a greedy person or I'm not an immoral person. No, no. This is something that you always need to be wary of as pastors. And so, especially you as Zoe Ministry Network pastors, do you think that the devil is going to leave you alone? The devil is not going to leave you alone in, in, in any of these aspects. And so you may think that you are okay, but, but you got to be wary. You always got to be wary. So yesterday, right, I said that Cho Hyun Gyeong is, is, she is my standard of beauty. But, but if immorality starts to seep in, then that standard starts to, starts to falter. That standard starts to shake in. And that's the danger. And that can happen to anyone. Do not think that it will never happen to you. Do not think that, oh, you, only your, your wife is, is yours, is, is, your eyes are only for your wife. You never know. And so you need to be aware of this, of the, of the spirit, that spirit that moves. So that, and so you need to have this kind of attitude so that you would be truly free from all of this. Really, when I first met with God, immorality was probably the thing that I fought against the hardest. I, I, I brought so much wrath against immoral, any immoral tendency that may come up inside of me. And because I had this strength, uh, I was able to, I, I, I'm able to overcome most things now. I, I don't receive much pressure from this. And so, pastors, be wary. Always be on your toes of receiving worldly standards. Because when you are polluted by the world, then then worship everything becomes facing towards the world and you keep trying to um, you keep trying to um, show yourself you keep trying to boast in yourself you keep trying to uh, uh, prove your ministry it's not about you it's about God God leads it's about His Spirit leading you it's not about my expressions it's not about my ability to speak it's not about my rhetoric it's not those kinds of things that are being made manifest and so even the things that you think is your weakness that has nothing to do with you you may think that oh i'm dumb i'm slow i'm slow of speech no even those kinds of things have no nothing to do with you it's god's spirit that moves inside of me and actually rather those weaknesses that are inside of you god reveals his strength and so don't try to apply your strength to your pastoral ministry as well. None of those things matter. It's not about your weaknesses. It's not about your, it's not about your strengths. It's about God and the Holy Spirit. So if the standard was smartness, then, then ultimately it would be the professors who would need to be the head pastor of Yerbang Church, not me. God uses me because of the, His calling, not because of the, your, your strengths. Right? It's not your strengths. So for the past 30 years, God never once said that, oh, you have this weakness, you have this fault. Never once. Never once, not even once, that I treasure you. 
I treasure you and I'm supporting you. These are, these are the words that he's constantly saying to me. And so this is the voice of God that we need to hear. If we get influenced by the world, that is dangerous. And so in these end times, this is really important. This is really important because if we get hooked by the world, it's so hard to, to get free. And so when I say be wary, do not fear these things. Do not worry about these things, but fear God. Fear God and do not let anything up outside of God become part of your habit. That let holiness be part of your essence. Let holiness characterize you. And when this happens, then truly you will see God glorifying your life. And so verse 2, threshing floor and wine vat shall not feed them. And so look, this fertility worship, this fertility cult, it's all about abundance, right? Looking for abundance in, 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 their, in their harvest, in their, in their, in their uh, harvest. But that's all going to be taken from them. It's all going to fail them. And so this is, this is prophecy of famine and prophecy of wars. And so, right, the new wine shall fail them. What is new wine? New wine symbolizes the joy of the Lord. And, and the church is supposed to live by that joy, but that, that, that joy is taken from them. And so when this new wine shall fail them, it means that that joy is taken from them. And look, look, look at the, the interesting thing these days is that there are so many depressed, clinically depressed people in the church these days. It's because they are living by their thoughts. They are living by their methods. And that's why the church is filled with depression these days. But the, what is the church? The church is supposed to be a feast, a celebration. Now, whether the attacks come or not, that's not what I'm talking about. We rejoice no matter what. Now, I'm not saying you are forcing yourself to rejoice. No, but because God is, dwells inside of you, and when His Spirit is inside of you, you will be filled with that joy. And so in that relationship, the most in, there are, in that relationship with God, there are important words. But one of those important things is joy. And joy is really important in your, in your uh, faith life. And so the, the reason why I consider Philippians to be really important is because in all of these processes, uh, when you rise up in your faith, you will rejoice no matter the circumstances. Right, as Paul, even though he was imprisoned in Rome, he says, "Rejoice! I say to you again, rejoice." Uh, that whatever you think about, whatever you do, whatever you are, whatever wherever you may be, to always rejoice. And that's how important rejoicing is to your faith life. Now, you cannot force yourself to rejoice, but when your relationship with God is right and you are standing before God, then you will rejoice. As it says in Isaiah 66, Isaiah 61, that what? How did God create? Uh, established Jerusalem on he established Jerusalem on joy and 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 uh, on joy and 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 inspiration the in inspiration and joy and so the kingdom of heaven is filled with joy and celebration and so no matter where we are, whatever we may be, we can rejoice and celebrate. And so do not be deceived that, oh, I, I have the right to be sad because I lack money. Oh, I, I have the right to, to be depressed because I lack this. No, there is no reason for, no, nothing that gives you the right to not rejoice. And so the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord of my uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You need to realize the deeper truth of this because if this is the truth, then if God doesn't give, then you do not rejoice. And when God gives, he, you do rejoice? No, that's not the case. Remember, God exists in himself. 
and you are having fellowship with this God who exists in himself. And so when you, re- when you have fellowship with him, how can you not be filled with joy? He who, who is independent of all things, that is, there cannot be but rejoice. And so anything, anything that, 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 uh, that, that, that you filled with, any reason cannot cause you not to uh, rejoice. And so, do not be deluded into thinking that uh, because of this circumstances, I have the right to not rejoice. No, in all circumstances, we need to be able to rejoice. Like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, to rejoice always. To rejoice always. Why? Because God has given you all things to rejoice always. And that's the faith that we need to have. That God's promise for me fills me with joy. He can fill me with joy. And so when God says to rejoice always, how can we rejoice always, you may think. But no, when God's word says to rejoice always, we can rejoice always. Why? Because it is His promise. And so give thanks at all times. And so we need to be able to give thanks at all times. Amen? So verse 3. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord. The land of the Lord, this expression... Is of course describing Canaan, right? And what is Canaan? Canaan is Israel's inheritance. And yet he's saying that it is his. And remember, when it comes to God and Israel, there is no difference between what is God's and what is Israel. What belongs to God belongs to Israel. What belongs to Israel belongs to God. And so that's what he's talking about here, that in the land of the Lord. And so what is this describing? This is describing unity as being one. And so I say this to the church all the time, that if you do not have salvation, if you do not have holiness, then 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 honestly, I cannot share anything with you because you are not one with me. What is the kingdom of heaven all about? It's about at any time you need to be able to give your life for me, right? And so what would we ever withhold from our brothers? What would we ever withhold from our sisters? This is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. And so if you're thinking my thoughts, my inheritance, my possessions, my things, my way, then you cannot say that they belong to God. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. If they gave half of their inheritance, that's a great money, and yet God killed them. Why? Because, because they are not living by the kingdom of heaven and they're trying to deceive God and thinking that they have something that belongs to them. This is what the church is about. This is the church. The church is the kingdom of heaven. And so, if you do not, if you're not born again and you do not have confirmation of eternity, then what can we share amongst one another? And so I say this as a standard in our church that that no one in our church should leave an inheritance for their children. Now, I'm not, I don't think, I know that not everyone in our church is keeping this, but I'm still proclaiming it, that, that no one should have an inheritance, right? That do not leave an inheritance for your children. Everything belongs to God. Because that's the kingdom of heaven. What, what could belong to me? What could be my will? What could be me? And so, should you not say amen here? Do you, do you have an inheritance that you refuse to say amen here? Yeah. 
And these aren't my words. Look at the Bible, right? The Bible says, who is the disciple? The disciple is the one who can die for the gospel. The disciple is the one who can die for the Lord. Then you should be able to give your inheritance, right? Because if, if God says, if God demands your life, you'd be able to give your life. If God demands your inheritance, then you, should you not also be able to give your inheritance? That is, that is what we are called to, and that is our glory, is to follow after him. And so look, this guy, I don't really like him very much, but when he got married, it's the same thing, that he, because now he's going to become a servant of God. He gave everything that he had. He gave everything to, to the church. He had all these kinds of various insurances on his life, and, and, and he, he gave that all to, to God. And so pastors, we need to find it to be discomforting when we possess things. Everything belongs to God. Everything should belong to God. And we live by what God gives. Amen? It's actually true happiness to not possess. People think that possessing more will give them happiness. No, it's when we lack, when we do not have things that we are happy. That's when we are truly free. These are the, this, is, this characterized the life of the servant. And so we have been sealed in the kingdom of heaven, and that is our glory, not, not possessing things on this earth. And the design that we have been designed with is to live by God alone, that God guarantees our life. And that is, that is, is what seals us. And so if that is ingrained into your body, then you will not try to possess things. You will not try to uh, demand your ways. And so continue. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord. And so look, the Lord is, is claiming what's His. And so if that's the relationship, what does that mean? That they are separated from God. Because originally, if the right relationship was right, God would not differentiate between what's mine and what's His. But here he's saying it's the land of the Lord. So that means that they are separated. And so they shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt. What does that mean? They're going back to slavery. That no longer are they under God's dominion. And as I said yesterday, if God's dominion is no longer over you, that means you are under the dominion of slavery. It doesn't just end with you leaving God's dominion, but now you are under the dominion of slavery and death and of sin. And they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. Remember, Israel, Israel, they separate themselves from the Gentiles by what they eat, right? Look at Itzhak Rappi, when he, Rappi Itzhak, when he came. He doesn't even use the same knife that we use. And so we have to buy new knives for him, new plates for him. Everything has to be new. Because they will, they will not mix with the Gentiles, no matter what, when it comes to their foods, what the foods of, that they eat. Mm-hmm. 
And so the Jews, look at, look, to them it's a shame to mix with the Gentiles. And yet they are being carried to Assyria to eat unclean food that they have to mix with the Gentiles. This is great shame. And remember that the nobility, the glory of Israel is the glory that God gives. The glory that God gives and the glory that comes from being separate to God. So we should live by what God gives alone. Amen. And so this is prophecy of them being taken into exile. Now moving on to verse 4. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord. And this drink offering, right? These drink offering and wave offerings, what do they represent to as Israel? They are something that they would do every morning and every night. And, and what do this symbolizes? It symbolizes uh, commitment to God. But God doesn't want to receive defiled commitment. God's not going to receive our commitment if it's defiled, right? It's when, it's when we live a life separate to God that, that our commitment is pleasing to God. This is, and so how, how separated to God was Paul that he would proclaim in 2 Timothy that I have fought the good fight, I have run the race, and, and what's waiting for me is now a crown of glory. And this confession needs to be our confession in our lives. And so if God is not receiving their drink offering, that means that everything that makes Israel Israel, their, their sacrifice, their, their calling, their, their, their sanctification as God's people is being taken from them, is being is taken away from them. And so Israel, as they give drink offerings in the morning, they, re, they remind themselves of their commitment to God. And in the evening, they, remind, they see, they check if they are living by that commitment to God. And so, so without that joy of living with God, without that privilege of being separate to God, uh, if you do not feel that joy of being separate to God, then it's because you are influenced by the world. And when you are influenced by the world, what does that mean? It means that nothing differentiates you between the world. And so you are nothing now. Your worth is nothing now. And so this is what you need to uh, be wary of, is that, that, that the world cannot give you any kind of benefit. The world is poison to you. There is no profit, no gain to be found in the world. So moving on to verse... Oh, continue. And so they shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please Him. And so all the sacrifices, all the commitment to God, they, that pleases God. But because they are not holy, all the things that they offer God tortures God rather than pleases Him. And so remember, the relationship between Israel and God should be to, of one of joy for one another. But when Israel is corrupted by the world and they are defiled before the Lord, God cannot receive their offering. And when, they, when God cannot receive their offering, He, he cannot be pleased with them. And so, he, and so they no longer can please one another. And so it becomes, it becomes nothing. It becomes altogether worthless. We need to rejoice in God, right? Because how much does God rejoice in us? And that's the relationship that needs to be, always be ever before you. But Israel come to this point where they are no longer a joy to God. And so this is the tragedy here that is being described. And so continuing on, uh, it shall be like mourner's bread to them. What is mourner's bread? This is bread that is given in, in a funeral. And remember, Israel can no longer cannot touch dead bodies because that would make them unclean. But, and, but when they have to do this funeral, they have to eat this bread. And when they eat this bread, it's defiling them. And so that's what this is being proclaimed here. 
that Israel should have lived with God and everything should have been life. It should have been filled with life no matter what they touched, whether they touched the word, when they sacrificed, when they pray, it should all been filled with work of life work of life because eternal life moving inside of them because what is the reign of God what is the dominion of God it is life as it says in Romans 8 that you have been moved from the law of death to the law of life and the spirit what is the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the source of that life the word of course is, is there the blood is there as well but everything is the source of life in God and, and it's because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me and so that's why it says the law of the spirit and of life and so when you live by that spirit you can now live by that life and that is the principle that God wants you to live by. What is the converse? If you live by the world, you are living by sin. And if you are living by sin, you are living under the law of death. Right? If you do not live by the spirit of life, then what are you living by? You are living by death and, 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 and sin. Where is our honor comes from? Where does our nobility comes from? It comes from the fact that we have been set free from, from death. We have been set free from the law of death. And this is talking about dominion. So no matter what suffering may come, no matter what hardships may come, we are living under the law of life. And so that is the privilege that is given to us is that at, in every circumstances, life comes. And so whether you have money or not, if you are under death and sin, then you'd be like, oh, what can I do? I have no money. But we are, do not feel that pressure because even in that circumstances, God's life abounds. God's life is coming. And so, life is not about what you can do. Life is about what principle are you under? What order are you under? And so when you do not choose that life, then ultimately you are choosing death. And so that's what's important here. And so when Israel loses holiness because they are dead spiritually, everything becomes death. And so that they are defiled. They, it shall be like mourner's bread to them. If you are filled with the Spirit, everywhere you go, you are sanctifying everything. Because I am holy, you are sanctifying. And so, take off your shoes for, for the land that you stand on is holy. And so, everything that you stand on is holy, is holy because you are holy. Because the relationship you have, the one you have relationship with, have with is holy. And so, you are holy. And so... And so as it says earlier, do not tie yourselves to unbelievers, right? Why? Do not tie yourselves to death. Do not tie yourselves to things that, are, that, that will defile you. And so we need to always be filled by the, by the life of Jesus Christ because that is the privilege that you have been given. That's the privilege that you have to live by. And so, but because Israel has died, no matter what they touch, it's defiled. And so, all who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. And so, do not give this, do not give this defiled thing to the Lord. And this is terrifying, isn't it? Because the prayer that we're giving to God, the worship that we're giving to God, the commitment that we're giving to God, it should come from that relationship of life with God. Then He will be our, truly our God. As we said earlier, I said, God is the God of Jacob, and that God of Jacob, your Jacob is not dead, your ancestor is not dead, but he is alive. He is not God of the dead, but God of the living. He works in history, and so it's about relationship of life. And so we need to always be filled with the Spirit, filled with the Word, and filled by the power of the blood. And this is not optional, but this is what's going to happen if you live by the Holy Spirit. It will follow afterward. This is our nobility. And, and, and as it says in 2 Corinthians, 
다시 그런 존재가 된 거예요. 그렇죠? 새로운 그 영광을 누릴 수 있어야 되겠죠? 할렐루야. 가자 가자. 5절. So verse 5. 그렇죠? 고기 먹어야 되니까 빨리 끝내. 이게 사망의 법이에요. 얘기하는 거예요. 생명의 법은 그거 아니죠? 자, 5절. Verse 5. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? So because they have been influenced by stigmatism, when they have the feast of booths, the Passover feast, and all these various feasts, the Pentecost, you know, it's talking about those feasts. And in these feasts, they're doing it out of their religion, but it's hypo- hypocrisy. And ultimately, all these feasts, what's it going to do is just going to lead them to exile. That a time is coming where they will no longer be able to do these feasts. And so as we are worshiping God right now, as we're praying to God right now and rejoicing in the word, what is this leading to? It's leading to glory in his kingdom. And that's the confidence that you have, right? That everything we have is connected to eternity, right? The prayer that I'm lifting up right now, the worship that I'm lifting up right now, all of these things don't end here, but they're connected to eternity, amen? And so this is the confidence that we have. But look at Israel, because they are so corrupted, they are defiled, what is going to happen? That even though they're worshiping, it's not ending in eternity, but it's ending in death, it's ending in exile. And so this is the result of defilement, this is the result of corruption. And, and so are you worshiping for this? No, that's not what you're worshiping for. And so, But if you are influenced by the world, if you are corrupted by the world, then this is ultimately going to be the result. Even now, God is looking for true worshipers, worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so in this worship, we want to stand before God. If we cannot, if we cannot confirm that, then, 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 then we, should, we should do what it takes to confirm that. So moving on to verse 6. For behold, they are going away from destruction, but Egypt shall gather them. Memphis shall bury them. And so just as Abraham fled the famine in Canaan by running to Egypt, but no longer can they run to Egypt. Whenever someone would run to Egypt, what does that mean to Israel? It means that they're going back to slavery. They're they're fleeing from God's dominion and going to the dominion of sin, going to the dominion of, of, of wickedness. And so Memphis shall bury them. Memphis was the capital of Egypt at that time, and so all the uh, and so this was uh, where the Israelites toiled in their slavery, and so through sin, when you enter to the to the order of sin, ultimately you cannot flee death if you are under sin. So many people, when they fail, they think that it's because they lack knowledge, they lack experience. But when it comes to children of God, if God guarantees, even though you may fail, that failure is not failure. Because God is working, God is is, is being... In, in control, then whether you fail or succeed, that is no longer the standard. That is not what's going to shake you. Though the, 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 the circumstances that are upon me today may look like failure, but it's not going to end in that failure. It's not about your know-how. It's not about your methodology. It's not about your technique. It's, it's about whether it's God's will or not. Is God pleased in this or not? If that's what's important, 
And so if you are in the state of death, then no matter what you do, it's always going to end in death. But if you are in life, it's always going to be in life, no matter what. So we need to always be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to always be maintaining the new self. But if they are in the, under the law of death, no matter where they go, it's always death. No matter where they go, all they see is death. What else does it say? Uh, Nettles shall possess their precious things of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. And so their riches, the things of their silver, their riches, that's what they were sacrificing God for. And yet, and yet these things will be the source of their suffering. These things will be the source of their death. And this is the principle of the spiritual things. What is immorality? Immorality likes people. And yet because of people, you are hurt. Because of people, you are betrayed. It, what is greed? Greed likes money. And, and, but it's because of that money that you are destroyed. It's because of that money that you are betrayed. And so anything outside of God, uh, that will be the source of your death. But conversely, if you are with God, whether you have or you do not have, it will not be a problem. God is your source. God is everything. You need to be able to see what's real. And, and that as long as you have God, nothing else will be a problem. You know what else does it say? It says, thorns shall be in their tents. The tents is their home, right? And their homes is going to be filled with thorns. That means they can no longer live. That, that life itself is a torture, right? So moving on, verse 7. So from verse 7 to 9, is talking about uh, its prophecy against those who are resisting Hosea. So verse 7, the days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. And so punishment recompense are synonyms to one another. Yeah. Israel needs to know God, needs to press on to know God, but they do not know God, and because they do not know God, they are filled with punishment and recompense. This is the principle of things. If you choose God, you will live by God. If you do not choose God, then you will choose the world and you'll be mixed with the world. This is the principle of things. That's what we need to understand. That if I do not live by faith, you are simply not living by faith, but you are living by unbelief. And so the days of punishment, this is really important when it came to Amos, but uh, in Genesis 50, in Genesis 50, as, as Joseph dies, he, he prophesies to Israel about, uh, he prophesies to Israel that, that God will visit them, that God will visit them. And this, that's what this, this day of punishment is about, is God's visitation. And so when God visits Israel, it should be a visitation of blessing. It should be a visitation of life. That's, that's what God's visitation should always be. It should be a visitation of glory and blessing in the life. But that's not what it's talking about here, right? This visitation is a visitation of death. This is a visitation of judgment. And so we should always wait and expect God's visitation. And what kind of visitation? What kind of visitation? And so we need to receive these words as righteousness that God is covering over our wickedness with His blood, right? And so in the place of failure that Israel had, we do not, need, we do not have that failure anymore. And so though it may be hard to listen to these words, 
But when you truly receive it in faith, you will rejoice. And you really need to hear this because, because it's important for you to hear this so that when you go back to your church, it's really important because regarding these things, how much you compromise with the world, how much you compromise with life, that, that, that if you do not live by God, you are living by death. But if you live by God, then there's glory. And that's, that truth must be clear to you. It must be clear to you so that you can clearly declare it to your church. As I said earlier, if you do not, do not uh, subjectify the Word of God. You need to make sure that it's absolute. It needs to be the ultimate standard, ultimate absolute truth. The Bible is not written in relativism. If you deny that and you turn turn away from it, then the curse that will befall you is is so is such a tragedy. Remember, we are living by God. Sorry, one moment. So we do not need to think about the curse that, that, will, that will come without living by God because we are living by God. But what we do need to understand is that when we do not live by God, the curse that's going to come. Remember, Israel lives by God alone. And pastors going beyond that? Of course, this applies to you as well. And so when you do not choose to live by God, it's not a simple matter. It's not just going to pass by. You're just not just simply just not living by God. When you are not looking to a God, when you then 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 of course there's going to be suffering. This is not something that 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 we can just pass over by lightly. Because because what is no is no and what is yes is yes. That must be absolute. Do not think that God will compromise with these things. Do not try to relative make make the truth relative to you. Okay, the truth is not relative. So we must make sure that the truth is objective at all times. If it's relative, it is Baal. Baal does not demand you to be holy. All Baal demands is for you to sacrifice. But God demands holiness. God is a God who blesses and He curses. When He rewards those who do good and He curses those who practice evil. He is Elohim, right? Elohim demands, demands holy living. You need to receive this in faith. As you serve Elohim, you need to understand this basic root of what's at what's uh, this basic foundation for your relationship with Him. And so, in, when you receive His word and you are obedient to His word and you live by His word, then He rewards those. He rewards those. But when you reject that, then He He brings curse. Right? He curses. Uh, the al al gods don't 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 um, have this don't have this condition, right? They they just bless, just bless and bless, but their blessing is not real. 
And so the days of punishment have come, the days of recompense have come. Israel shall know it. And the prophet is a fool, the man of the spirit is mad. And so Israel is, is mocking the prophet. They are mocking the man of the spirit. And we see in Amos, right? That Amaziah, the, the priest Amaziah, tells to Amos, do not prophesy, go back to your own land. But when the church loses holiness, the lay members will start to resist the pastor. They will rebel against the pastor. When the church loses holiness, they're constantly going to reject the word of the pastor. That's why uh, increasing disobedience, increasing rebellion. There are some churches who even say, say that out loud, rightly, right in the face of the pastor, right? Many elders go against, the, go against the pastor and say, you are wrong, pastor. Pastor, how dare you, right? But when the church is polluted by the world, this is what's going to happen. You'll see that. Look at how many elders in the church rebel against their pastors, disobey their pastors. Whether you are Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist. And so if you compromise and constantly allow the world to standard to, 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 to compromise with your church members, spiritually what's going on is, is you're rebelling against God and you are forsaking God. And so what happens is, is because of your great iniquity and great hatred, And so because they do not live before God, they do not see His glory, then what happens is their iniquity grows. Their iniquity grows deeper and deeper, and it gets stored upon them, stored up inside of them. And with that sin, with that iniquity, as it grows, then no matter what happens to them, they're, they're receiving hurts, they're receiving wounds. And so they're filled with more and more hatred. And that's what happens. And, and as that happens, what are they going to do? They're going to mock the prophet. They're going to uh, mock the man of the spirit. And so in that corruption, in that defilement, they start to mock the word of God. They mock. Uh, and so moving on to verse 8. The prophet is the watchman of Ephraim with my God. So the prophet is the watchman of Ephraim with my God. And so this prophet, who is the prophet, is Hosea. So Hosea is with God, and he is the watchman of Ephraim. And so God, or Hosea is the watchman of Israel. And remember, watchmen have many roles, but one of it is to, to warn Israel of, of the enemy. And so what is he warning Israel of right now? He's warning them of their wickedness. He's warning them of their pollution in the world. And so pastors, as apostles, you have this ministry, but you also have the ministry of prophet. 
that in your church, you are the watchman. You need to warn your church of wickedness. Warn the church of what does not please God. Warn them of what does not worship God, what does not glorify God. And so this two balance needs to always be there. Your apostolic ministry and your prophetic ministry. That this must always be balanced in the pastor. And so if the spirit of the prophet is not in the church, the church is blind. And so because Ephraim mocked Hosea, who is the watchman, what happens is they are, they are on all his ways, there is a fowler snare. There's a snare and hatred in the house of his God. And so all of the words that Hosea proclaimed to them became a trap, became, became a snare. And so Israel should have lived by the word of God. But as we said earlier, what is the happiness of Israel is that every moment by moment following the word of God, right? That, that his word defines every aspect of my life, everything that I have. That is my happiness actually, right? Our happiness comes from his word flowing in every aspect of my life. And that's where true freedom comes, right? As we were talking about yesterday, the laws of 10,000. So do not live just how the current comes, okay? Because you are amazing beings who are being led by God. You are not, you are not just simply famous, but you are the child of the king. And so every action should be defined by the word of God. That is where happiness comes from. That's, where, that's what it means by the truth shall set you free. That the word uh, has dominion over you. And so as pastors, even going beyond that, this is your great privilege. That your life, that every behavior, every action is not moved by your impulse. It's not moved by your desires, but by the word of God. That the word of God shall set you free. As it says in Acts, right? Apostle Paul wants to go to Asia, but God says, don't go to Asia. He wanted to go to preach, and yet, the, and yet the Spirit of God did not lead him there. And so he could not go, even though it was good works that he was going for. And so those who are moved by the righteousness of God, those who are moved by the Word of God. And so wherever I go in the world, whenever I'm going out, I always preach this. I always make sure that the glory of the gospel is moving. Lord, if I go to Costa Rica, is your gospel moving there? Let me move according to your spirit. Let me move according to your spirit. And when I see that spirit move, then I go. So in Honduras, in Africa, wherever I went, I always waited for the word of God to move. I don't go there because I want to go. I go there because his word moves. And so I always confirm the victory no matter what conference it is. And so once this conference ends, we'll see. We will see the glory of the gospel move to Costa Rica. And it's the same thing with this conference. I'm not doing this conference just because we did the first half of Hosea last conference and so we're finishing the rest of Hosea. No, no, I'm waiting for the gospel to move, the glory of the gospel to move first. It's the same thing for you. Okay, you are not preaching on Sunday just simply to preach. No, you are preaching out of the, the glory that moves over that Sunday. You are not insignificant beings you are not common beings when you move the kingdom of heaven moves with you All right look at the president of the united states their schedules are down to the, to the minute but your you your being 
how, how much more worth are you to God than the President of the United States? And that is actually your true freedom. Letting God determine every minute of your schedule. And so these ten thousands of laws to Israel defines every aspect of their life. And so, what does it say in John 15? That my words abide in you, you abide in, my, in me. Because His words abide inside of me, I live by in His presence. And as I live in His presence, His presence moves me. And so what is the privilege given to these kinds of people that ask whatever it is in my name and you will receive it? That is the amazing privilege, the amazing honor that God has given. His great promise has been given inside of it. As it says in Second Peter, we are stewards of this great promise. And this great promise is the divine nature. And so that divine nature dwells inside of me and I am in His presence. And so when I ask whatever it is he will give that is the privilege given to you that is the glory given to you he doesn't just it's not to oh he will answer me because I'm a child of God no he answers me because his word is inside of me his promise is inside of me and I am in him and because of that in that in that relationship that promise is always there and so pastors you should not despair because you lack this you lack that no right you do not move because uh, because you do not move whether you have out of your lack or out of your abundance no you move out of the spirit of god out of the word of god right as i use this example all the time when i go to costa rica am i going to take my house with me am i going to take my refrigerator with me no i just simply go with the credit card right and it's the same thing when when god is inside of you all you have to do is move in that relationship right when i pray he answers that's the relationship and that's more than enough that is more than enough it is more than enough for you to do anything and so as I said the most important thing is your relationship as long as that relationship is right that that when I get on my knees and pray he answers amen that's how simple it is so moving on it's really easy to live with God it's not difficult so please believe verse 9 is the prophetic spirit moving inside of you? Okay, yearn for it. Yearn for the prophetic spirit that moved in Hosea to move inside of us as well. And the reason why I call you next generation is for this reason. As the next generation, you also need to really uh, awaken to this truth. Verse 9, they have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. Gibeah is from Judges, right? During the, the, the corruption of the Levites. And so the Levites has a concubine. Not only does he have a concubine, he, he causes division. So remember, what was the source of that corruption during Judges is that everyone did as they pleased. Everyone did as they saw fit that they lived according to their thoughts. They lived according to their plans. And so this day and age, this is the day and age of Gibeah. Look at the church these days. They are all looking, they are all living by what they think is right, what they see, how they see fit. This is the day of the judges. And then what else about Gibeah? Gibeah is the hometown of Saul. It is 
the source of rejection of the king, right? That God alone should have been king. And yet they rejected God as king and established Saul as king. And so only the Holy Spirit alone should be king in me and he alone should lead me as it says in Galatians 5, uh, 16. That we should walk within the Spirit. We should be led by the Spirit. That we should be in step with the Holy Spirit. That the whole... This is the image of those who live by the Spirit of God, that they do not have their own will, that they are not sensitive to their own ways. They are not looking for their own will. They are not looking for their own things. They live by what God gives, the strength that God gives. That, that all things are possible in God, this, this kingly authority. And, but the, time, the days of Gibeah are those who live by the, how they saw fit. And so that was there where the corruption is. So God will remember their iniquity and he will punish their sins. Remember, God doesn't want to remember their iniquities. But God's love for Israel is he's, he's, he's someone who always remembers their nobility, remembers their grace, remembers their beauty. And yet he will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. So life or the relationship between Israel and God is a beautiful one and, and, and it's when they are in God that that, that beauty is, 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 is at the forefront. When we have that righteousness and that holiness, that beauty is always at the forefront. And that's what God's desire. Amen. He is good. Amen. And, and this good God, why, why do you want to make him vicious? Right, Amos, in Amos it says, God roars like a lion. We do not want to face God as a lion. We want to face Him as the Lion of Judah, right? Being one with us, who has dominion over the church. His, his glory fills the church. Amen? So moving on, verse 10 to 17 is now God's judgment. So 10 to 17 is judgment. 10 to 14 is the judgment that God will do Himself. And then verse, or is God's proclamation of that judgment himself. And then 15, 17 is Hosea's interpretation of that judgment. So verse 10, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. So God met with Israel in the wilderness, right? In the wilderness, right? Israel is the, Egypt is the wilderness, Israel is the wilderness. God meets with Israel in the wilderness. Wilderness is like the desert, but the difference between the desert and the wilderness is that in the desert, desert there is no life. But in the wilderness, when rain comes, life springs forth. If you look at Micah 4, 7, what did it say to Israel? He says, leave your fortified cities and go into the wilderness. If you live in the city of religion, you will die. Do not be influenced by religion. The church needs to go into the wilderness. The church needs to be the wilderness. Because they are in the wilderness, if they do not rely upon God, they cannot survive. They need to be led by the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. Without that pillar of cloud, without that pillar of fire, they cannot know where they are going. And so the church needs to be wilderness. Without God, if they are, feel that they are at peace without God, then that is religion. That is religion. So, that without God, that they would, without the pillar of cloud that God provides, they would burn under the sun. Without the pillar of fire with, uh, given from God, they would freeze to death, right? And so, so to the church, the church needs to be wilderness where they rely on God at all times, rely on God. Israel survives in the wilderness. People of God, 
men of God are made in the wilderness. They do not. They are not made in the city of religion. They are made in the wilderness of God. So who is the proper pastor? The proper pastor is the one who leads his members into the wilderness. So don't try to make them comfortable. Do not try to make them at ease. No, you need to lead them into the wilderness. Now there are times where comfort is needed. There is a times where ease is needed. But fundamentally, who is an excellent pastor? The excellent pastor is the one who leads his people into the wilderness. <laughs> that if you lose focus for one moment, you are stung by a scorpion. If you, if you do your own things and leave the crowd, then you are bitten by vipers. And that's how pastors should lead their church. Honestly, I want comfort. I want to be at ease. I've already done this ministry for 32 years and I want comfort. Don't you think that I deserve comfort? No? But God doesn't leave me that way. God doesn't leave me that way. God doesn't leave me to be at ease even in my church right right our church could could run smoothly without me operating but God doesn't let me leave it that way he keeps leading me into the wilderness and so God leads me into the wilderness don't you think that you as my sheep as my flock should go with me to the wilderness and so look, don't look for rest on this earth. I'm not talking about spiritual rest, but physical rest. Do not look for Sabbath rest on this earth. This earth is, is a wilderness. And we can't help but live in that wilderness. And this is actually our blessing and our privilege because it helps us to live as men of God. And so the church should not be uh, at ease, should not be in comfort. And so in your church, don't, don't emasculate your church members. You need to keep sending them out into the wilderness. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. Embolden them that they would be prepared as warriors. And yet, the funny thing is, is that in that wilderness, he found Israel like grapes. Do you find grapes in the wilderness? No, you do not. If you look at Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6 says that Israel is the choice wine. And choice wine is in only orchard, orchards, not in wilderness. So this is an impossibility. And yet, and yet God found them. It's not because of their ability. It's not because of their talent. No. Because of, it's actually because they were nothing. God chose them. And out of that, God's gift was made manifest. And so Israel, Church of God, we are always humble before God. We're always humble before God, right? Zoe Ministry, but what are we? We are so small. We are insignificant. And yet God has given us this truth. God has given us this calling. Why? Because of our insignificance. Because of our worthlessness. And so without God, we are nothing. 
And yet, though we are insignificant, when we choose God, we are the choicest of wines. This is the secret, the mystery of God, the mystery of God. And so this was an impossibility, and yet God found grapes in the wilderness. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Amen? This was impossible, and yet, and yet what was impossible was made possible. As it says in 1 Corinthians 2, that that we have this joy to be able to meet with God and see God and, and, and express God. That God makes all of these things that are so amazing all the time. And that's the God that we need to be meeting with every day. And so all the power, everything that it is, it is things... That, that, that overflows, making things that are impossible, possible. So living with God is a privilege. Amen? Hallelujah. So continuing on. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. And so the first fruit of the fig tree, this is very sweet. The first fruit is very sweet. And so when God found Israel, Israel was so sweet to God. And this was the relationship that God had with Israel, that they are the choicest grape, choicest grape, and they are the first fruit, the sweetest, sweetest fruit of that season. And so God rejoiced in Israel, and, 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 he was, and, and Israel was so sweet to God. This is the relationship that we have with God, and we should not lose this relationship. And so... So God has given us this faith to believe this relationship. This is impossible, impossible for this to happen in the wilderness. And yet in that wilderness, God made this. And so in Amos 9, God declares uh, Israel's restoration as what? Look at Amos 9. Amos 9.11 that I will restore the, the broken booths of David. So remember, these booths were, were showing them coming out of the wilderness. But why is it the booth of David? It's because because in the time of David was when they were under the reign of God, the dominion of God. The glorious church is going to be established in the wilderness. And in that wilderness, these booth is going to be established. And in that booth, God reigns over, over Israel, over the church. And that is going to be restored under the line of David. That's why it says booth of David. In the wilderness, for 40 years, Israel did not reap, did not sow. And yet God perfectly fed them. God clothed them. God provided for them for 40 years. Think about the amount of water that 2 million people would have to drink, how much food that they would eat, and yet God provided for them. Look at Zoom ministry. When we gather how much we eat, now think about if this was 2 million people. 2 million, Mati. So this is God's perfect reign. And so in these end times, like the booth of David, 
this, this perfect dominion of God is coming over. And so that's why I would say that in the, third, in, in the second half of the tribulation, there's nothing for the remnant to do because we are under God's perfect reign, perfect dominion. Aren't you excited for this? Don't you wait in eager expectation for this? Even now, God considers Israel precious and, and is, is waiting for this. this. Amen? And so, in this Baal Peor, it comes from Judges 11. But they came to Baal, Baal Peor. What, is, what does Baal Peor mean? It means that Yahweh is Baal. This is foolishness, right? And this is immorality. As it says also in Numbers, Numbers, right? That, that, that even though God's presence in the midst of them, they are committing immorality. And this is talking about the, 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 the desecration of Israel. But they came to Baal Peor. As they're serving Baal, they are committing adultery. And consecrated themselves to the thing of shame. And became detestable like the things they love. And so because they are influenced by the world, they are polluted by the things of the world. And as I say again, I emphasize again, that Israel should not go hand in hand with the world. That Israel cannot go hand in hand with the world. Especially in these end times, the church of God, we need to be sanctified, set apart from the world. We need to be set apart from the world. Without being set apart, you cannot expect holiness. Because what does holiness mean? Holiness means set apart. And so, God is moving to completely separate the children of God from the world. The church and the world is not a little bit different. No, they are complete opposite beings. They are completely different beings. God is leading the church in a completely different direction from the world. Amen. And so, verse 11. Verse 11. Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird. And this glory, it's not just simply, ah, this is good, ah, this is nice. No. Glory is ascribed to kings. And so that means it's the best, right? When, when holy God moves, what is moving? Glory moves with him. That's what this glory is talking about. And so glory is something that can be only ascribed to God, right? This word, glory. And so that's why I said in Isaiah that God doesn't give His glory to anyone, but yet He gave it to Israel. And so what Israel needs to give their lives for is to protect and guard that glory. When they protect that glory, God will pour out His... Or no, so when they protect that holiness, God pours out His glory. And that same current is under the New Testament era saints. That, that glory is only in the church. It fills the church. And so this is really important. Uh, I, cannot over, under, I cannot overemphasize this, that the church needs to guard and protect holiness because His glory follows that and His glory can only be ascribed to God and yet it's given to us. Mm -hmm. 
And so Jerusalem was, is built on the hill where, of Moriah, where, where uh, Abraham offered Isaac. And so that's where heaven met with the earth. And, and that's why Jerusalem was built there. And, and so it's where heaven touches earth. But what is the church? The church is the throne of God, which is, again, where that throne is, is where God is. And so it's, again, of the place where heaven meets earth. And what's on that throne of God? What's in the throne room? It's the saints and the elders and, and, and the angels, the heavenly hosts. And what else is there is the church, the heavenly church, as it says in Hebrews 12, that with the church as well. And so where this heavenly host is, is the church. So when the church prays, God receives it immediately. Why? Because it's the church is where heaven meets earth. So if you do not believe in this, then you do not know the glory of the church. This is the faith you need to have. And so through the New Testament, all the glory that God had with Israel in this New Testament era is opened to all the children of God as it's described in John 17. That as this Trinity, uh, the dynamic of the Trinity has this fellowship with one another, we also have fellowship with us. And so let's turn to this word, John 15, because this is really important. Oh, 17, John 17. John 17:21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so we have entered into the church by being united to the Trinity God. How amazing is this? How great is this? Amen. And so the glory that Israel had in the Old Testament, that in itself has come into us. Why? Because the glory has entered into us as the temple. It's not, it's not a representative, but He Himself came into us. And so in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And so as this Trinity has fellowship with one another, there's glory in that fellowship. So now we are invited there. And because we are invited there, what's inside of us? Glory. Glory. And because of this glory, angels look at you and are amazed. They are amazed. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, that in the church, that, that, that God's elect is there. And so angels are guarding over you. Angels are watching over you. As it says in Ephesians 1, uh, what, what does it say that uh, it concludes that you have been blessed, that you are the praise of His glory? Right? Who are you that God would consider you the praise of His glory? This is great nobility. This is great honor. Why turn away from this? Why? Because you do not believe. And so Apostle Paul, how does he describe this in Romans 8? He says, the glory of freedom. And so when glory comes, there's freedom. This is the privilege of the sons of kings that 
that you can determine everything before the king and so you are free and what else does it say in Ephesians it says the riches of glory and so with the church that has the glory of God they have the riches of heaven it's not because of money it's not because of this it's not because of that no it's because of God you, you lose sight of the essence of God and what does it say about Colossians it says the power of glory the power of glory because God who is omniscient omnipotent he is the head of the church then where would there be limitation in power where would there be limitation in wisdom this is the essence of the church that's what you need to see and so this how amazing this word glory is talking about and so if this glory departs then it's over for them it's over he frames, glory shall fly away like a bird. It's gone away. This glory needs to be always filled in the church. That glory needs to always be checked. But don't allow that glory to fly away. Okay, verse 11. 11. 11. He affirms glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. So, what is this no birth, no pregnancy, no, no conception? Why is this important? Why is this important? And the reason why I, I ask many of my church members to give birth to many things is the same thing because because what is many children? This is a fulfillment of the blessing of Genesis 1.28. What is it? It's that more princes needs to multiply, to fill the earth, to fill the earth. And so as children of kings, this is our reign. It's our dominion. And the nobility, you are canceling that nobility by not giving birth to children. When, when Jesus came to this earth, what did he restore to this earth? That, that I will bless you. Surely I will bless you. It is the restoration of Genesis 1.28. The riches of the king, the leadership of the king has been taken from us. And so as it says in Hosea 4.6, look at Hosea 4.6. What does it say? That my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. And so it's taking away this, uh, this glory of, 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 of being the children of the king. So this blessing of leadership, that you are the children of the king, as long as you have that, wherever that church may be, that church will be a powerful church. No matter if that church is in prison, no matter where that church may be. So, But if God takes that away, He cancels that, then that is tragedy. That is woe. So as long as we have that glory, we will live. As long as we have that glory, we will grow. And so when I first established my church, Uh, sorry, I, I didn't catch what he said. But he's, uh, uh, is that okay? And so look, um, 
As long as you have this glory and you maintain this glory and hold on to the blessing of leadership, as long as the church holds on to that, after one generation, they will be a nation. And look, look at Zoe Ministry. Are we not a nation? We are a nation. Is it, is it, look, 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 all over the world, when we say we gather, we gather as a nation. We are a nation. And whose words is this? This is in Genesis 22 as Israel, as, as God confirms the blessing to Israel that you will hold the gates of your enemy, right? Having complete victory over the enemy. And so as Genesis 22 blesses Israel, and then it's, this is the confirmation of that. And so as long as glory is not there, you will be a nation. After even before one generation passes away. And so you are not doing, you are not part of Zoe ministry for your individual church. You are not part of Zoe ministry for your individual pastoral ministry. No, you are one nation. We are under one truth, one spirit, one heart, one love. And that's why we're having these conferences. And that's why we're going overseas to look for remnant all over the world. Why? Because we are establishing the nation of God. Is it because I have lots of money? Is it because I'm healthy? Is it because I'm full of vigor? No. Because in the midst of this one, one nation, that, that is the leadership that is being unfolded. And honestly, I don't know how many people are listening to my sermons all over the world, whether it's in South America, all over the world. I don't know how many are listening. And that's why we are translating all of these sermons into various languages, into English, into Chinese, into Spanish, because we do not know who the remnant is. Only God knows. And so we are making this readily available to all people so that, so that, so that God can establish His remnant. And this is really important being one nation. Why? Because Zoe ministry for the past 20 years, glory has not fled from this church. That's why this nation, is. God has blessed us as a nation, to be a nation. Though there are times we have fallen, there are times where we have, we have made mistakes, but God's glory has always been there. Amen? And in that glory, there's power, riches, and, and, and freedom. And so let's continue. Verse 13. Verse 12, actually. <laughs> Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. And so through war, this is prophesying war, right? Woe to them when I depart from them. So they're all going to die. Warfare, warfare. This is a prophecy of warfare. And when God's glory moves, God doesn't care about, or not God, people of God do not care what they can do or what state they are in. It's about God's glory. And so in 1943 was the pinnacle of the Holocaust, right? And at that time, there was only about maybe a million Jews spread out over the world, but six million Jews were killed in Europe. That is basically a genocide, right? And even look at Cambodia. Cambodia during the killing fields, 
so many people were killed that even now Cambodia is not able to uh, uh, pick themselves up. But look, look at Israel. Israel, uh, the pinnacle of the Holocaust was in uh, was was in 1943, but in 1947, already in five years, that nation was restored. So if God's glory is there, you do not, you cannot imagine what will happen. And so in Zoe Ministry, the glory has been with us, and who knows what God is going to do through this nation? In just in two years, this nation that was practically. Uh, completely eradicated from the face of the earth is already restored. And the moment they are restored, Israel, that's not even 2 million people, fight against the coalition of Arab nations and are completely victorious. And then a few years later, in six days, in the six-day war, they destroyed the Arabic, Arabic coalition. That's how amazing what it is to live with Him. That's the expectation of glory that we can have. And so holiness, purity, whole relationship with Him, as long as we are in those things, the glory that God has given to Israel, the glory that is the same glory that is given to the church. And so what could be impossible to you? So Malaysia, go for church. When that glory comes to you, all things are possible. Even the kings, the sultans of Malaysia may bow at your feet. That's why I call you the queen of Malaysia. How amazing is this? This is our inspiration. This is the history that God brings out to us. Making the impossible possible. A nation being restored. And so how valuable should this glory be to us? How precious should this glory be to us? So verse 13. Uh, Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow. So Ephraim was a beautiful place. That's what he's saying. He's, he's saying Ephraim was so beautiful to me. But Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. Though he, they were so beautiful because they fled from the, they departed from the glory of God, they lose that beauty, they lose that honor, they lose that nobility. And so we need to give our lives for the glory of God. We need to keep giving our lives to receive the glory of God. Continue on verse 14. Give them, O Lord. Okay, and so now God is confirming that, that, that uh, prophecy through the proclamation of Hosea. As Amos 3, 7, 387 says that, that God does not move without, without first revealing His secrets to His servants, the prophets. So God's words needs to be proclaimed and as, it, as, as His representative Hosea proclaims it, it is sealed. This is the glory of the prophets. Amen. Amos 3, Amos 3, 8. Amos 3.7 or even 3.8 the lion has Lord who will not fear the Lord God has spoken who can but prophesy because God speaks of course you prophesy and so with God's word because it's being proclaimed Hosea has to declare it as God's spokesman he has to declare it and so Malachi said the same thing 
that in the lips of the servants of God, God's law is there. And so that law is on you. Your lips, when your lips open, God's glory is proclaimed. God's lips open. It moves through your life. It moves through your lips being open. That is your privilege. That is your glory. And so when you open your lips, God's lips open. And so Hosea is now going to proclaim this prophecy. Verse 14. Uh, give them, O Lord. What will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breast. And so Hosea is, is sealing this prophecy. And so it's not because he does not know the heart of God, but because he knows. He knows how much God loves Israel. He knows that even though Gomer runs away from him, as God, as Gomer fled from him, that 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 he rest, he wants to restore Gomer. And so in that same way, God wants to restore Israel. And because Hosea knows the heart of God, that's why they proclaim these prophecies. They proclaim these prophecies. And that's the difficulty of, of, of sermon, of preaching a sermon. Of course, it is our privilege. And yet at the same time, the weight of the words, the weight of the sermon, the, priv- the, the weight, the burden of this is a difficulty. And so moving on, verse 15, he's now speaking of judgment to the leaders of Israel. Every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. There I began to hate them. Gilgal, Bethel, Samaria, all of these are representatives of, 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 the, of the, the, the corruption of their worship. Because here is where they began their idolatry. And so, and so uh, because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. So God is kicking them away from his temple. This is, this is the tragedy. God loves them and yet he has to drive them out. And I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. And so all their leaders rebelled and they are enemies of God. And so Israel, they had this perfect and beloved relationship with God. And yet how corrupt are they that God drives them out of, their, out of his house? This is the tragedy that happens. And let us not get, ever get to this point. Amen. And so verse 16, a frame is stricken, their root is dried up, they shall bear no fruit. So look at how beaten they are, look at how much warfare is afflicting them, that they have no fruit. Even though they give birth, I will put their beloved children to death. Again, constantly throughout Genesis 28, the, the glory that, that Israel has been given is, is the leadership and abundance, right? But that is taken away from them. So whether it's the church or Israel, we live by the glory of God. Amen. If the glory is there, we will live. But because they fled, they departed from that glory, everything is taken from them. Verse 17. My God will reject them because they have not listened to him. They shall be wanderers among the nations. And so look, because they did not hear the word of God, they lose everything. Israel's identity is Shema, to hear the words of God. And so whatever the words is, they need to hear it. And then when they hear it, that's when they will live. We need to hear the words. Amen. So so it's the same thing for us. They shall be wanderers among the nations because they forgot to hear, because they refused to hear. Those who have tasted that glory, when they reject that glory, this is the price that they pay. And so Zoe ministry, you have seen the glory of God. You are churches who have seen the glory of God. Amen. You have seen that glory. Even when we go overseas, right? All the nations that we have gone to, you, you, you have seen that glory. Amen. I'm really grateful to all the pastors in Zoe Ministry, but especially like Pastor Lee, who's been with me from the beginning. I'm so grateful to pastors like you 
You are the first generation, right? The first generation. So the wife of your youth. You are like the wife of my youth. And so anyways, let us pray. Once again, Lord, to Zoe Ministry, all the churches of Zoe Ministry, pour out your glory. Pour out your glory at this time upon all the Zoe Ministry Network churches all over the world. Pour out your glory, the, the riches of glory, the freedom of glory, the power of glory. Pour it out at this time upon all the churches of Zoe Ministry. Yes, Lord, there are many important reasons why we need to be holy, but above all for this glory, like the prophecy of Malachi 3, that in your church, may your glory uh, come upon the church. And so, Lord, where you are, your glory is. And that glory has freedom. That glory has riches. And so, Lord, may that glory manifest in the blessing you have given us, the blessing of leadership, the, and that leadership of riches, abundance upon all the Zoe ministry churches. May we enter into that season. May this be the beginning of that season. Pour out more of that leadership, Lord. Come powerfully upon this place. Hallelujah, Lord, we thank you. Lord, every day, every day, as these beloved servants of you remain in your presence for 24-7, that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that as they are in their Holy as they are in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that they would see what happens. That that glory would explode upon them in this season. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>